Have you been put on an elimination diet? Are you eating a reduced number of foods doing the low FODMAP diet, a low histamine diet, the Elemento diet for SIBO or some other elimination diet? Do you feel your symptoms have improved a little while or a little bit, but you cannot reintroduce foods no matter how how long you've been on this diet without your symptoms flaring up? Do you feel your symptoms are flaring up even when you're being the strictest on your diet? If so, then this episode is for you. On today's episode, we are going to discuss why your elimination diet isn't working and what you can do to look into bringing real deep healing to your gut, your body, and your diet. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. So today we're going to be talking about why your elimination diet isn't healing your gut. This is something I commonly see. It's probably one of the most common things I see in clients that I work with or women that I'm talking with who've been struggling in their health. And it is a deep and near and dear part of my story in trying to heal my body is getting stuck in this rut of the elimination diet where you're on a really restricted diet. You're not eating foods that honestly are considered pretty healthy, like garlic and onion or beans or uh, broccoli or watermelon, whatever it is, uh, you're not able to eat it. And, you know, kombucha, if you're on the low histamine diet, anything fermented, um, like sauerkraut, like there's just all these healthy foods that given one diet, which they have good reasons for existing, but when you get put on the diet and then it doesn't work, you can feel like your bottom gets dropped out. And I remember kind of getting in this cycle of doctors who were kind of like, you must just be doing the diet wrong. And I felt a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of stress about what did I eat today that made me feel bad. And it is one of the reasons I really want to talk about this so much on our podcast and also with our clients so that they know when they start working with us, we do not do that. We do not put you onto this restricted diet that has no end. There's, if we do for any reason, put you on a um, diet where it's a recommendation that you are not eating certain categories of food, yada, yada, that there's a specific amount of time we're doing it for and we're doing other things, which for our clients pretty much guarantees that they're not going to be on that diet for forever. And so 
the reasons why people get stuck on a restricted diet or an elimination diet is threefold. And the, the way I like to think of it is in tiers. So you, it's easiest and most relevant to work with these, these three things in layers. So you typically wouldn't expect to work with layer two until you worked with layer one. So think of it like, like dirt or like sediment. You want to work with the top layer first. You have to dig into the top layer first before you can get to the, the, the middle layer and before you can get to the bottom layer. And so, um, the top layer and the reasons why the very first thing you have to look into address deal with, if you want your elimination diet out of your life is any active causes of inflammation and, you know, food itself is inflammatory. So that's kind of the point food can be, I mean, if you're sick, you want to make sure you're not putting inflammatory foods in your body. And so that's the point of the elimination diet is okay. Um, food can be a source of inflammation where it's either feeding your SIBO or feeding your candida, or it's, um, causing your histamine to, you know, it's feeding into your histamine problem. And so, you know, we're just going to target foods that we know will help not feed into that system. But the thing is, is food's not the only thing that will cause problems for these systems and, and also reduce reducing food, foods that have histamine or reducing foods that feed candida or feed um, SIBO will not necessarily get rid of the candida or get rid of the SIBO or, or deal with the histamine problem. And so the number one first thing I'd say is if you've never, if you've been put on elimination diet and you've never been checked for pathogens, and that's things like C. diff, things like mold, things like um, parasites and H. pylori. You, you want really a good workup of pathogens. If you've never been checked for those, that if they're there, they're causing inflammation and your body never gets the chance to heal because the, the mentality of an elimination diet is you reduce this inflammatory process of these foods um, and then you are able to, you know, that your gut is then able to heal. Well, it's really not going to be able to heal if you only get rid of one of the problems. So you want to reduce, you want to get rid of pathogens. You also want to get rid of any other toxic exposures that's ongoing and current. And you'll see what I mean when we get to layer two, the difference between ongoing current and layer two of the problem. So toxic exposure can be part things that are in your water. And we're not going to talk about water today in depth, but just to say, your water looks clean, but there is so much stuff in it. And a Brita filter is not kicking it, I guarantee you. And depending on where you live, you might have problems that that's higher, a bigger problem where you live. Like if you live in Colorado, most likely you have a higher problem with uranium in your water because um, uranium tends to stick around in, in granite rock. And granite rock is all across the Rockies. And honestly, the Rockies are one of the areas in the world where there is the most uranium, which is, you know, good if you want uranium and bad if bad if you don't want it, especially in your water. So there are actually water filtration systems that can help with uranium. But, you know, if you're living in those areas and you're not using a water filter that is specific to uranium, then you're not going to get the results that you want. And that's something that I talk with my clients about and making sure they're not living in areas where there's higher amounts of pesticides or herbicides or whatever the problems that can be. If you're in a rural area, you have different problems than if you're in an earl, uh, urban area. Um, so water is can be an ongoing 
problem, you know, you're showering in it, you're drinking it, you are 60% water. And if you're, if you have children, especially like a baby toddler, they're 80% water. And so we've been drinking water our whole lives and it might be particles of everything from ibuprofen, pharmaceuticals, heavy metals, cadmium, cobalt, um, herbicides, pesticides. Um, there is an amazing amount of stuff that is floating around in our water and it's just building up over time and our body might not be getting rid of it. And especially when you are a child, if you've been exposed to think about where you lived when you were, you know, zero, one, two, all the years you, wherever you lived up until age 10 and 12, until you hit about teens, you know, you don't have as good of a detox system. That's why children are. So that's why it's like, don't expose your child to lead. It's like, well, don't expose yourself to lead if you're an adult, but like really don't expose your child because children have weakened systems. So if you're like, I've had problems since I was a kid or a teen, like maybe it's been some of the chronic toxic exposure you've had with things like water. The other areas we can have toxic exposure is in our air. There's actually been research done that says um, our household's air inside the household can be worse than air in urban areas like toxic smog, right? And so the research that's done showed it's coming from things like our furniture. Our furniture has things like formaldehyde in it, which is an agent that's like a anti uh Infl not inflammatory and anti keeps things from burning um <laughs> things from things keeps things from going up into smoke and so that's like good in some ways you don't want your furniture catching on fire but it's bad because every time you sit on your couch that kind of puffs up and even as your couch gets older more and more of that formaldehyde gets tossed up into the air and into your lungs and so you're like watching a movie or eating on the couch or you're doing all these lovely things we're supposed to do on couches, be with friends, play games, and there's there's just constant toxic exposure. You know, some of the workarounds is there are more companies that are making non-toxic furniture, but that's just something we have to realize. We are, we you might not even, I might even be saying, if you get rid of your couch, all your symptoms will go away. It's deeper and longer than that, but I want you, I'm talking about it on today's episode because I want to start processing what are the active causes of inflammation. We also have um, any personal care products, laundry, detergent, cosmetics, lotions. These are all things that have hormone disrupting uh, or endocrine disruptors in them. So they they're either have xenoestrogens. They're essentially, it looks like estrogen to the body, but it's not. And so it's hard to get rid of, but it lingers and it can make you feel estrogen dominant. And it can cause like, you know, lots of PMS problems and hormone problems. And we just see like, why are so many women getting PCOS and getting endometriosis and getting, it's just like, it's growing. And, and part of that, I, my dad's a doctor and I used to ask him that, daddy, why people get sick more than it seems like they used to? And he's like, well, maybe it's, we're just more aware. Like we have higher standards or people aren't dying from pneumonia. So they're getting older and we're seeing other big stuff. And that's a reality, but I'm also weighing on my hand now this thing that, you know, as a 10 year old, I wasn't on my dad's radar. It's not what he specializes in. Um, but it also isn't something that was talked about in, you know, I'm a nineties baby in the nineties. Um, and so it's like kind of this is this concept of environmental toxins is growing um, non-organic foods. They have herbicides and pesticides. It gets in the food. You can't peeling it isn't enough. And so that sits in your in your body and and it just continues to accumulate and accumulate over time. 
So any active exposure to it is definitely not helping. Um, stress, uh, so emotional, psychological, career-related, family-related, loneliness, abuse, trauma, um, anything that's current and ongoing, that's definitely not going to help. Just like fear and anxiety. Now, fear and anxiety, especially anxiety and depression, can also be like a cause of biological imbalances. And I don't just mean like that you need I mean, not just pharmaceuticals, but like if you have a gut problem, it can lead to neurotransmitter imbalances. So like we definitely, we want to consider the chicken and the egg scenario of like, are you, is some of your anxiety just excess from your gut imbalance, but also being realistic and saying, Hey, yeah, let's, let's deal with all my high expectations and let's deal with my sense of inadequacy and let's deal with my, um, you know, the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and my, you know, sense of inferiority and all these things that we can have in comparison and, you know, all these, all the things that we just walk around with and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and just things that are toxic to our own selves. That is an ongoing toxic cause of inflammation. Um, not dealing with adrenal fatigue can be a problem. So you're like, again, you're on this elimination diet, but then your adrenals are kicked pooped out and your adrenals are responsible for something called DHEA. And DHEA is a hormone that actually helps us rebuild our body. It builds us back up after seasons of stress. And if that hormone isn't kicking out because our adrenal glands are exhausted, then it makes it just harder for us to heal. So we want to make sure that the adrenal glands are not being exhausted by high amounts of sugar that we're eating or by, and if you're on an elimination diet, you're probably not eating high amounts of sugar. Let's be real. But pathogens really, really, really stress out, um, the adrenal glands, um, as, as do, uh, pollution and, and contaminants and, and toxins from the environment. Poor digestion is actually super stressful to the body. Um, so not having enough stomach acid, bile or pancreatic enzymes, cause you're not getting, you're not breaking down food the way you need, then you're not getting nutrients. So you can be well-fed and poorly nourished. So you're doing your diet right. And you're li- literally not even digesting the food you have. I definitely have clients who say, I can see the food in my stool. That is a very common example of not breaking down food in the gut. And it's a, it's an idea of of like, if it's low stomach acid, what's going on in the stomach? Are you missing zinc? We have a podcast episode on that. Like, why am I talking about zinc? Do you have H. pylori? Um, you know, do, do if you're not producing bile, is there a liver congestion problem? Is your liver overburdened from toxins? Um, do you, was your gallbladder removed? Do you have adhesions and restrictions around your gallbladder? Would visceral manipulation help your gall? You know, your bile flow. Uh, is your pancreas working? Um, and pancreas not working again is usually just a cause of infl- or a result of inflammation. Um, so there's again that chicken and the egg. Well, now I have inflammation, so now my pancreas isn't working as well, and and all that jazz. So there's you know you could see how healing is a is a slow could be a slow downward cycle and also could be a slow upward cycle. But if you're only doing one thing like the elimination diet, or you're only doing a handful of things, but you're missing some key stuff like environmental toxins and pathogens, you're just not going to get the results you want, and you're going to be kind of stuck on this elimination diet. Um, not dealing with excess estrogen, so like being this is like in particular if you are on the pill, if you are on a copper or hormonal IUD these are impacting your health. And, you know, I'm not your doctor. I'm not going to, it's, you know, we're not saying just go off everything, the pill and copper hormonal IUD, but 
you should know, and it, and that's one thing that's just not talked about. Your doc, doctors are like, oh yeah, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly safe. That's not true. And I actually, gonna, I'm going to spend a majority of this episode you're about to hear talking about something called copper toxicity and being on the pill and having excess estrogen and, or, and, or just straight up having a copper IUD, um, is a, there's direct correlations to having copper toxicity which is a next layer and where it kind of deals and starts scratching the surface of the second layer of problems we're going to get into. But when you have excess estrogen, you stress out your liver, you're going to have all the PMS and hormone pro- hormonal problems. Estrogen is inherently an inflammatory um, kind of substance in the body. And so it creates inflammation everywhere, let alone your pelvis. And so, um, you know, you'll maybe notice those problems worsening when you get closer to your period or closer to ovulation. When your estrogen's the highest, you might get more headaches, more aches and pains, pelvic pain, pelvic problems, cramping, breast tenderness, um, fibroids, um, cysts, uh, like any type of breast fibroids, uh, like fibric tissue in the breasts, things like that. That's all from excess estrogen and also realizing that things like phthalates and parabens, which are in our shampoos, it's in our hand soaps. I mean, not all hands, but like the toxic ones, the basic stuff you find on the shelf have parabens and phthalates in them. Those are xenoestrogens. They look like estrogen to the body. And so it's hard to get rid of them. And then it really throws off the body of how much estrogen it has in it. Then you're throwing the pill in there and the body doesn't know what is going on. And you are sitting, that's all toxic exposure and it's causes of inflammation. Now realizing you might be on the pill because you're, you know, your cycle is so just painful, traumatic, disturbing, like all these different problems. And maybe you're on the pill just for, there's actually research out there though that says, and I I didn't look it up before I started this podcast episode, but a very large percentage of women are on the pill not to prevent um, being conceiving. And so um, that is, it's a pretty high number. I don't want to guess it right now, but it's true. And and that is the case for many of my clients that they're not on the pill to prevent being getting pregnant. Like they, that might be something that is happening at the same time. Like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, don't want to get pregnant. Um, but a lot of people are put on it to like control the hormonal problems, which is basically the body screaming, help me, I have a problem. And instead of helping the problem, you just mask it up with the pill. And that is not okay for, for like healing the gut. Um, the pill often throws off our bile production. Um, it's again, these studies are, are not lauded. They're not kind of thrown out there, but there are researchers, naturopathic doctors, people are trying to figure out what's going on and why is the pill so have, why is there such a strong correlation in people going on the pill and things just getting worse or going off the pill and things like exploding in worseness? And um, again, if you're not digesting food, that's not going to help. If you're not producing bile, which is what we just mentioned, like you, that's inherently inflammatory to the body. These whole foods hitting your digestive tract, they're not broken down the way they need to be. They hit your microbiome. They hit whatever parasite or candida. Candida is going to overgrow with food that's not already broken down. Um, so then you're going to get gas and bloating and you're going to get like almost like a waste smell in your gas, like, like sewage, because your food is rotting in your gut. It's not breaking down the way it was meant to be in the order it was meant to. And so you really want bile. You really want stomach acid. You really don't want to overfeed your candida. Um, and that's again, one of the things is I do know this fact that 
50% of SIBO cases come back after they go through an antibiotic regimen or an herbal regimen, and that is because they're not dealing with upstream problems. Motility, stomach acid, bile production, heavy metals, hormones that are throwing off liver function and liver detoxing um, the whole body, including pathogens. The body's just like, we can't keep ourselves healthy, and so SIBO just comes back. So that's the first layer. The first layer is active causes of inflammation. The second layer is deep-rooted and hidden toxicity. And what happens when I say hidden is, I mean, it's actually hard to see on lab tests. Um, so when, and, and, and some of it's because like one of them is like emotional toxicity, but we know that the body will hide emotional trauma. If you read the book, um, the, the body keeps the score. It is a psychologist who's been studying the effects of emotional trauma and stress and strain on the body. Um, there's a book called Molecules of Emotion by Dr. Candace Pert, and she studied how emotions, um, you know, pile up in the brain and then they can actually overflow the blood brain barrier. If you have chronic long-term low grade emotional strain. So imagine like a dripping faucet, even if you have a big bathtub, if that faucet's dripping long enough, um, at a fast enough rate, then you eventually could get an overflow of whatever, you know, container you have, uh, like the, the, whatever I'm blanking what's called bathtub, right? So if you have a bathtub or a sink or whatever, if it just drips, doesn't matter if it is, if it's clogged up and it's dripping and you're not dealing with the emotional trauma and it's still there and it's just dripping away and it's continuing to happen or it's in the past that, that water is still there and it can still overflow or it can, cause problems. And so that water or the neurotransmitters, the overflow or blood brain barrier. And then she found that there were peptides, these like portions of, of neurotransmitters of our emotions that would attach to cells in the rest of our body because they get into our blood and then they go to the liver, or they go to our muscles and then they attach there. And so there's this mind body connection to emotions and the body won't release those areas until it feels safe. And so that could be until you're an adult and you now have a stronger prefrontal cortex. It could be until decades after you've had the trauma and now the body's like, okay, the trauma is far away. Now we can deal with it. Or it'll be until you get the right type of therapy or counseling or you get body work like craniosacral therapy or visceral manipulation and something stirs it up and the body's like, okay, now's an okay time to process it. But the body oftentimes won't let you process what it knows you're not ready to process. So that's an old layer of toxicity that a lot of times the body won't even let go of until the the active causes of inflammation are gone. So in my own healing journey, I've gotten rid of plenty of active causes of toxicity. And then I find that that maybe I'm still not feeling as healthy as I want and slowly things will come up. I'll have dr a dream that brings to mind old memories or I will get acupuncture or I'll start, you know, having these symptoms because my body's starting to detox. So the next thing you can detox is like heavy metals. And I'm going to talk about something called copper toxicity. We do need copper in our body. Copper is actually a really good thing for us. We use it in lots of processes. Copper is inherently a very emotional um, metal. And so, um, if you have high amounts of copper in your body and copper toxicity, you can often feel very strong emotions. And so, um, just everything about life can feel magnified with copper toxicity. Um, and so I'm going to read some symptoms of copper toxicity. I want you to think through like 
you no one's going to think of copper toxicity and it's possible you could even and by no one I mean conventional doctors and there's many practitioners I don't even hear talking about your mineral status and checking your minerals through a hair tissue hair and tissue mineral analysis which is an HTMA test which we do with our clients we you know we and with my clients I work through all the top layer active causes of inflammation and then we work through the second one the hidden causes and um so here's the, the symptoms of copper toxicity, fatigue, exhaustion, and burnout, anxiety, irritability, insomnia, panic attacks, ruminating negative thoughts, OCD, anemia, hypothyroidism, acne, brain fog, depression, racing mind, nausea, difficulty focusing, apathy, low libido, lowered immunity, chronic yeast infections, PMS, constipation, headaches, joint pain, weight gain, infertility, ADD, ADHD, confusion, lowered self-awareness, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, anger, violent tendencies, aggression, candida, paranoia, and disorientation. And so that's a lot. And you could even think through, I can think through my family history and see a lot of that there. If your mother had copper toxicity, um, that your body is predisposed to that, like you were pre-populated with the copper levels that she had. Um, And so if your mother used a copper IUD or she had copper like um, piping in her home, if she uh, had, if she used the pill, if she's had a lot of emotional problems, all these different stuff, um, we're going to talk, I'm going to keep talking about copper here, but that's the list. And it's a lot chronic yeast infection. So think about that candida or UTIs, um, PMS problems, headaches, joint pain, weight gain, nausea. Um, and so we really realizing it can, it can overlayer. like nausea is a common thing. I look on my clients for histamine, but if we deal with histamine, they're still dealing with nausea. We want to make sure copper is not not a problem for them and copper toxicity. So copper to- toxicity is kind of on a technical way. And I'm just going to get a little technical here because why not? It's a buildup of stored biounavailable copper in the body that is excessive at excessive levels and it causes physical and mental dysfunction. So, so it means basically you could have copper in your body and you want copper there, but if it's biounavailable, it's te- technically toxic to you. So the copper is unbound and it's unusable and therefore creates a simultaneous toxicity effect, but also makes you deficient because your body thinks you have enough copper because it sees it, but then it doesn't use that copper because it's vile unavailable. So now you're deficient and that's where you can get that kind of apathy and low libido and kind of flatline effect. So you're both toxic and like have all this uh, copper that can create an emotional effect and then you're deficient and you can have this apathy and, and flatline effect. So copper toxicity is the primary cause of copper deficiency. So before you can become copper not deficient, right, you actually have to deal with copper toxicity. And the reasons why things that cause copper toxicity, therefore, is really important. It can, I already mentioned this, it can be passed from mother to baby in the uterus. So again, your mother's copper levels have affected you. So you can think generationally, have you heard of things like bipolar, OCD, insomnia, panic attacks, ruminating negative thoughts, you know, that can totally be like trauma and other unhealthy generational things passed on, but also copper, um, xenoestrogen. So that's the pill, um, hormonal IUDs, xenoestrogens also include, um, the phthalate, phthalates and parabens and and uh, a whole level of chemical, industrial chemicals that we're exposed to. Um, 
drinking water from copper pipes, copper cookware, bile issues. So if you, bile is the main binder of, of heavy metals in our body. And so we, bile, binder, you could think of that, or the fancy word is chelation. <laughs> um, copper sulfate, which is an approved organic fertilizer. So that's, you know, if you've been using organic fertilizer, could that could be something going on. Chronic stress will um, cause you to have copper toxicity and bioavailability of copper to increase slow oxidation. Vegetarian diets, because we need protein to have proper levels of in our body of, of protein. And so vegetarian diets, there's a lot of biology that goes into that. But if you have a vegetarian diet and a vegan diet, you are predisposed to have copper toxicity, occupational exposure, public swimming, pool use, and gallbladder surgery. Uh, because gallbladder surgery, you don't have bile. So if you have any of these things that you have in the past or the present or any family history of these in the past or the present, realize that that could be impacting you and your copper toxicity levels. And again, your body is going to hide the copper toxicity. It's going to make sure that it's not visible. And so that would be an invisible chronic you know, toxicity problem that you literally can't deal with until the next layer of toxicity is gone. And if you haven't dealt with it, you're going to have symptoms even if you're on this elimination diet. So I want to talk a little bit about why actually the pill can cause copper toxicity real quick. Cause I realized I hadn't, I realized that I haven't said that, you know, copper IUD, you're like, oh, there's copper in it, but the pill specifically can actually, not only does it have just excess estrogen in it, but it also literally drives copper specifically. And the reason for that is estrogen enhances copper retention, even like natural estrogen. If you have, if you're not, if you've never been on the pill, but you have excess estrogen because your liver's not doing so great, then you're going to have higher estrogen levels. And now you're going to be predisposed to retaining copper. And then similarly, and then in reverse, copper causes estrogen to be retained. So they have a cyclical effect, really is not great. Um, other things, the pill depletes gut microflora, which our gut microbiome helps us with, you know, detox heavy metals. Um, and then the pill also promotes yeast and candida overgrowth. Uh, the pill elevates tissue copper by depleting copper's opposites, such as zinc, B6, magnesium, vitamin C, and phosphorus. You know, all our minerals, part of how they balance each other is by like, not just like having less copper, eating less copper, but it's actually by having more of what is considered an antagonist mineral. So zinc, B6, magnesium, vitamin C, and phosphorus are antagonist minerals to copper. And, a lot of, and the pill will cause those to be depleted. Lots of other things can cause those to be depleted as well, but the pill is definitely one of them. Um, environmental chemicals can cause copper to be raised by xenoestrogens, by a synthetic estrogen called DES, DDT, and pesticides will cause uh, copper to be held onto. Plastics um, that have BPA have estrogen-mimicking chemicals in them, and they will leach that into food and beverages that the plastics are stored in, so like food storage, when you're buying food that has plastic around it, um, and that is one more reason environmental chemicals are bad for you. Uh, going into stress a little bit and understanding why stress is impacting and actually will can raise copper detox or excuse me, copper toxicity is that when we are stressed, our adrenal glands are exhausted, right? And we've talked about this in, in former episodes. And there's something called ceruloplasm that is 
a primary copper transport protein. So it actually makes copper bioavailable to us. And so it's, it is 95% of our copper transport is this ceruloplasmin and it is produced in the liver. So again, we want to have healthy liver, um, livers that can produce bile and aren't, and aren't burdened by pathogens. And then the adrenal glands aid in its production. And so poor liver and or adrenal function is going to lead to reduced CP or ceruloplasmin levels. And then your copper is not going to be able to be bioavailable. And then it's going to become a toxic type of copper that just builds up and we're not going to be able to use copper. Um, And again, if your liver is not doing so great, bile is a chelator and it's just not going to get out this excess toxins from the body. So this is level two of, you know, that that if we're digging down, digging into the process of how do I get a healthy body again, if you have heavy metals, if you have these ongoing toxins going on, it's, it's going to make toxic exposure. It's going to make it hard for you to not be in a state of inflammation, not be in a state of the gut being damaged to have, you know, again, realizing copper toxicity is linked to yeast overgrowth and it's um, it's linked to UTIs. It's linked to your microbiome being out of balance. And so you want to make sure that we don't, we don't have toxins like copper, like emotional stressors. Um, that's kind of on that invisible hidden port part of the stuff, things that won't show up on a test or that we don't think about on our daily basis and that we're maybe not being exposed to currently anymore. It's like an old exposure potentially, like you were on the pill for 10 years 10 years ago, but that's, you haven't ever resolved that state. One last thing about toxins, guys, especially like heavy metals, is that there's been ongoing and increasing research. I actually pulled up some of it just to see how much there was. There was actually a lot, and I was pretty impressed and surprised that pathogens, there's, there's reason to believe that pathogens hold toxins in the body, in the host body. And the reason for that is that environmental scientists have been studying fish in, in actually across the world. I, I found research that was connected to Austria, Nigeria, sharks in the Persian Gulf, Tehran in Iran, and Iran, or Iran is <laughs> what, what I heard growing up, but Iran. Um, these are they've been studying fish, so like sharks or, or fish that, that are in these bo- in bodies of waters in these region, and they've actually found they'll, they'll test the fish for um, toxins and heavy metals because that's one of the concerns people have is like, okay, don't eat certain fish because there's higher levels of like mercury or other toxins. So, you know, environmental scientists have been using fish for a long time. But when some people started think to looking at, well, what if we tested other parts of the fish, like parasites that live inside the fish? And so... Somebody started this and figured it out, and more and more environmental scientists are doing it across the world, testing their fish, both for environmental toxins like heavy metals, but then they also test the parasites inside of the fish. And the parasites inside of the fish have sometimes as much as 10 times as much like concentration of heavy metals than their host. And so their environmental scientists are really calling out and saying, hey, there's a possibility that that pathogens and parasites and microbiome imbalance in in humans if if there if it's anything like fish that it's actually one of the ways of our bodies or the host's body dealing with chronic exposure to heavy metals to say, okay, if we actually just have a parasite and we let it hang out with us, it will take most of the heavy metals because it's going to going to absorb what we are not. And so one of the theories out there is that there's a chronic ongoing problem with 
like one why are maybe one of the reasons why so many more people are getting parasites and microbiome imbalances is because it's a body's coping method well to say basically this is better than having mercury and cadmium and lead and aluminum floating around in our body we'll just toss it into that i couldn't find anything where someone grabbed a human and tested their parasites um but it might have been done i just couldn't find it so um but there there's a strong theory and there's people who are doing parasitology and environmental scientists who are saying we need to we need to band together and actually look at this deeper and really see how what it could mean for us humans and not just as we're eating fish or not eating fish but as we are looking at our own parasitology inside of our bodies the last layer is the base layer, and we're actually not going to get into it today, but I'm going to tell you what it is, and then you can look forward to it in a future podcast episode, and if you are listening to us in the future, maybe it already exists. But the base layer is our genes, and so this is gene mutations that we are seeing more and more commonly pop up, and I'm reading a book right now by Dr. Ben Lynch called Dirty Genes. It's a phenomenal book where he goes through seven, the top seven major gene mutations that are affecting people, their mood, their gut health, their energy levels, all sorts of stuff. And so that includes the MTHFR gene, the COMPT gene, C-O-M-T, the DAO gene, D-A-O, or the M-A-O-A gene. Um, you know, there's fast and slow of some of these. Some of them, there's only one gene mutation type, but that's the last thing. And so once my clients, we dig through the top, like current and active aggressors of inflammation, and then the second layer, hidden toxins. And then the third layer what their genes kind of are saying they need. And genes are not an absolute, guys. That is the big thing I wanted to say today um, is that you can make your genes act what Ben, Dr. Ben Lynch says is they can act clean or they can act dirty. And what you give your body impacts that. And if you have a gene, you just need to know how to work around it. And so um, that's the gene part is actually really hard to tease out if you have the other layers on top of it, because you could look like you have a gene that's, you know, acting all nasty, but it's just the symptoms of something else. And so you really want to start wiping away those top layers and then you get a better sense of what's left, what is left of my genes that I can then make simple changes, take one supplement or do eat certain types of leafy greens or whatever it is and actually get a huge amount of impact and feel great. And that's when we, when we get to that base level, that's when we really start seeing people not needing supplements, not needing an elimination diet, their leaky gut is healing, their mood and their energy levels are rising up, and they're just e able to eat a lot more variety of foods and not have symptoms, quote unquote, randomly. Because again, those symptoms can be being caused not by the food, but by everything happening inside the body, the stress levels, the pathogens, the heavy metals, etc. So that is it. Those are our three layers. That is why the elimination diet isn't healing your body. There are so many ways that you can help yourself and you're not stuck in an elimination diet. I want to say that to you from the bottom of my heart because I've been stuck there and I've been stuck crying on my bed and just tired and sick and tired of nothing working and trying my hardest and feeling like I was failing myself and failing my roommates and my, and my boss and my 
my family. So if you are sick and tired of this, if you are ready to dive into your health and you want answers and you want to dive into those three layers, I would love to talk with you. Please, you can click a link in our show notes for a 30-minute consultation that I have. You would apply for it. We do applications because before we even jump on the call, we want to make sure that you are a good fit for our program and that we can help you. And so if you are a good fit for us, if we can help you, I personally review every application and it will be approved and then you can set up that 30-minute consultation and we can discuss what your options are for working with us to get the results you want to see in your health. I would love to chat with you, so click the link in the show notes and jump on. Just so you know, we are only seeing four clients every month, we as in me and my assistant and us as a business, Better Belly Therapies. So if you want to work with us, it's early July still. Um, I'm recording this pre-July, so I don't know where we're at, but I would say jump on now. And if we're already filled up for July, we can get you into August so that you can start ASAP in August. And that would be that. So I'm so excited that you are diving into your health and I hope this episode was so, so helpful and enlightening and giving you hope for a better future. If you love this episode, we have even more awesome episodes coming up. I also am very excited to announce that we are getting close to our one year anniversary of this podcast being out. And in a couple weeks, I'm going to be making an announcement of something that I am creating for you. It is really exciting. I am, me and my assistant, we are working on just making this thing as awesome as possible. And I'll be able to announce it at the end of July, what this thing is. So you just keep on listening, keep on hanging out with us over the next month of July, and you're going to hear what it is that we have coming up. Well, if you thought of a friend while you were listening to this podcast or a family member or a neighbor, I would love if you would share this podcast, just take a screenshot and send it to them, text it to them, Facebook message, Instagram, and let them know that you were thinking of them and that you felt like this podcast episode might help them. I don't want anybody stuck on an elimination diet for life. That is not the way things are meant to be, and it's not the way things have to be. So if you love this episode, I also do want to encourage if you've also been listening to us for a while now and have been just lurking in the shadows, enjoying all of our content, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It means so much that you are gaining information and valuable insight through our podcast, but I would love, love, love it if you would just go down to our links in the show notes, click the ratings and review, um, head to our po Apple podcast area and leave a rating and review. It means so much. Um, and it makes it really uh, so helpful for other people like you to find this podcast and get answers and know that there is hope. Well, I have so enjoyed hanging out with you today. I hope that you are encouraged and have had some insight and remember as always our motto miracles are immediate but healing takes time. <laughs>